0: Thank you, Cameron, Cameron Wydell. Appreciate that. If you only remember one thing about my message, remember his song. Because that's my message this morning. Four pictures that say that we can count on him. We can lean on him. So thank you, Cameron, for that. We're in 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Yesterday, Matt Wydell and Faith Campen. They made vows to one another, uh, and they promised in those vows, in effect, that when everybody else lets you down, lean on me. Count on me. When everything goes south, you can count on me. You can lean on me. And uh, that was yesterday. Yesterday was also A great day for garage sales some of you know that and uh, whereas yesterday we heard two young people make commitments to one another garage sales are often made up of commitments gone bad right I mean clothes racks that look an awful lot like a treadmill or a a, a exercise bike or whatever and clothes that ob- obviously have shrunk in the wash, and now they're out there. There are uh, commitments gone bad. And uh, so there is a difference. Things, want, uh, things people at once had committed themselves to, but for some reason went bad. And you can count on me. You can lean on me. Not is often the case in this world. So we get to 2 Corinthians, and in two verses, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, two verses, there are four pictures of why we can count or we can lean on God in just two verses. Now, there are pictures all through the Bible, but I can't think of another two verses side by side that carry four pictures of God and His faithfulness what Cameron sang to us this morning. You can lean on him because he is committed to you. Uh, Marriage commitments go bad sometimes, but God's commitment never, never, ever. Uh, Logan, are you here someplace? Could you come up here? I've asked Logan to come, and I want him to stand as stiff as a post, and his papa is going to catch him. Yeah, you're, yeah he's also smart. <laughs> yeah, just in case he can't lean on me. Uh, commitments do go bad, so I want you to, okay, I want you just to lean back. Good job. Thank you for that help. Lean on me. Commit yourself. Okay. You try that sometime. Uh, not with me, you know. I had to to go down from Brandon. I was going to ask Brandon, but he's, uh, I'm afraid he couldn't lean on. He's getting so big. But uh, uh, but that's what the pictures that we want to look at this morning from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1 are pictures. He gives four of them right together. Lean on me, God says. And here are some pictures of why you can lean on. On me, and you might even take your pen and underline uh, four words uh, in these two verses. I'm going to read them again, and you see which verse, uh, words you might underline. You don't necessarily need to underline them right now. You might want to wait. But verse 21: Now he which establisheth us with you, so he's saying you and he which established both me and you in Christ. And hath anointed us is God. It is God that establishes us and anointed us. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this, uh, these two verses, might we grasp something here that we'll carry with us this week, please. And if there's somebody here or that watching live stream that does not know you as their Savior, might this morning be the time where they say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin and save my soul, please, that they might become a child of God and be able to cling to these four promises that you give through Paul and that it will change our lives, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So four pictures here. Uh, this first picture is he which establisheth us, and, and you might have uh, grounds us or strengthens us in the copy of scripture that you, you have. It's a picture of security here, and so you might underline establisheth us. Now, we don't use establisheth anymore. When I was a kid, until I was uh, five years old or six years old, I couldn't say my S's, and so everything, you know, if I said soap, it was thope. Soap. soap, and and here it would be established, you know. Uh, I wouldn't be able to say this. But he, we are established, strengthened in Christ. We stand firm in Christ. This is a picture of security. Uh, it's by his power and his authority that we stand. Uh, I'm just thinking of, you know, uh, of uh, Russell. He, he, uh, he could not be here with us last Sunday, I know, because he's in the National Guard, and he stands there. I did not see him in the, in the footage, but uh, he stands there in the authority of the United States government. So he doesn't stand in his own authority. He is there with somebody else's authority. It's a, a picture of security. I, I, in my mind, I see that uh, taking place. Establisheth is a legal term. And uh, it was used in Corinth often because Corinth was a city of commerce. And so business was going on all the time. And so uh, it described the closing of a sale, the guarantee behind a purchase. Uh, You go to buy a car or you go to buy a house and you, you put money down. And you invest in that purchase. You don't invest everything, but you invest in that uh, purchase. And uh, if the person backs out and breaks that contract, he loses the down payment. And so it's a picture of security for us because God has, has made a covenant with us greater than a contract. And he's invested in us. And he—he, how secure are we? He put a down payment. What was that down payment? What did he invest in us? Well, from the music we sang this morning and from what we know of Scripture, he invested his son, Jesus Christ, who became all in for us, gave his all for us, and so, how secure are we? If God would ever pull out of his agreement with us, what would he lose? His son? That was the payment. The death of his son upon the cross. We are secure. That What a great picture of security. I say, thank you, God. You're not going to pull out of the deal. You saved my soul. Uh, when... Uh, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when I did that when I was five years old, I asked Jesus to forgive me and save me. I gave him my life at that time. God is not going to to pull out on the deal that I'm his son. That's security because Jesus guaranteed it with his blood. Lean on me. I'm secure, God says. There is a story told that uh, during the reign of Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, the French army would use the draft to fill its ranks. And so if you were drafted at that time, you could find a substitute to go and, and fight for you. And a young man got drafted, and he found a substitute. And a substitute went and lost his life there in the battle. And so... Uh, shortly after that, he received another. This young man received another notice uh, that he was being drafted, and he went to the army and he said, uh, "You cannot do that. If you look in the records, you will see that I have already died." And sure enough, they went to the records and they saw that this substitute's name and they saw this guy's name and uh, deceased. They took it to Napoleon, and Napoleon said, "That's right." This man has already given his life for the country, for France, through this substitute. And if a a man dies, he only dies once in France. And on the cross, Jesus died in my place, guaranteeing my relationship as a child of God. Christ did it all. That's security. See, I, I can lean on him. The second picture is this unbreakable, or the unbreakable contract is the security. The second picture it says is an anointing. There in verse twenty-one, uh, he's uh, hath anointed us. That's a picture of responsibility. First, it's it's a security. Now it's responsibility. Anointing. The picture there is drawn from the Old Testament, in that the the high priest would anoint an individual for a specific ministry or a service. Samuel anointed Saul to be first king of Israel. He poured the oil over his head. First king of Israel. Later, he anoints a shepherd boy to be the second king in Israel. They were anointed for a purpose, They were given a job. Um, They were established and strengthened in security. Now, this is responsibility. Listen to this. Every Christian has been anointed to a ministry of service. You got that? Ah, you know, we... Long, long, long time ago, Maynard G. Krebs would hear, I think it was him that would say work. They'd hear the word work and work. Yeah, we are saved to minister. That's a responsibility. How do I know that? We have been anointed, given a divine responsibility. What? You know, we didn't get saved to be comfortable. We didn't get saved to, uh, to live our own lives, do our own things. And so sometimes we do things that are uncomfortable. That song that we sang, I will go. I will leave all of the comforts behind. I had to stop singing, could I? Ah, oh, that would be that would be tough. Will, will I go? If he tells me that's what where I need to, I need to serve him. I've been anointed, so have you, if you're a believer. You've been given. responsibility life will not be comfortable we make changes and we're making changes even in our service order because because we need to fulfill a purpose we need to be doing our responsibility doing our calling and are we doing that and if we say well nine o'clock is too early it is that's okay right? I mean, because uh, we weren't called to sleep in. Uh, we were called to serve, and my, the two primary callings that I feel on my heart, evangelism and discipleship. How am I going to do that? How am I doing it now? Uh Go to the lost, Matthew 28. Get out to the lost. Go around the world. If you can't go, then you give to see that somebody else can go and represent you. Your substitute around the world in evangelism and discipleship are our missionaries here at First Baptist. And we've got them all around the world. But that's our responsibility. We have been anointed. But what about your little world, too? Your neighborhood. When's the last time you took a plate of cookies with a, a track and a card saying, uh, I'm glad you're my neighbor, and walked next door? When's the last time you walked over there with a rake and said, hey, can I help you? When's the, well, how are you doing with your little, your little world? Are you fulfilling your anointing? You have been anointed, we all have, uh, following uh, World War II. The residents of Strasbourg, France, were going through the rubble of their church that had been bombed. And they found uh, one of the statues there, uh, which was a statue of Christ. And it had survived, except its hands had been broken off. Well, they didn't, uh, they didn't never repair those hands, at least not according to this story. They never repaired the hands. Why? Because we're the hands. They wanted to remember, we're the hands of Christ. Are you? Am I? I've been anointed. It's a responsibility. I've got to lean on him because I do not have power. And so what he is saying here, I anoint you, I am going to give you the power to fulfill this ministry. King David, I am going, God is going to give empower you to fulfill the responsibility you have as king he, he equips us and he'll never abandon us he will empower us that's the promise of this picture a ship in the fog was uh, stranded on a reef they had tugboats out there during low tide they had tugboats out there trying to pull the ship off of the reef and finally the captain just waved the tugboat so off away and he sat on the deck and he just waited. And in the silence of that wait, the tide came in and did what 12 tugboats could not do. That's God. He empowers us, he anoints us, he empowers us, lifts us, and frees us to do what God has anointed us to do. That's a responsibility. Lean on Him. It's a calling that God has given to us. That's the second picture. So we've got security. We've got responsibility in that verse 21. We get to verse 22, and the third picture is a sealing. It says, who hath sealed us? I want you to see that as identity. Identity. Verse 22, who hath or he has sealed us? Sealed is also a term drawn from the commercial world of Paul's day. It's a legal term. Um, It's the sealing or the dripping of wax on a piece of paper. So you write a document and you fold the paper in such a way that now you can drip wax on it and you seal it with a seal or a signet ring and you dip that, push that into the wax when it begins to harden, and then it tells you where it came from. This ceiling. Uh, it's like a return address on an envelope. Do you ever go to the mailbox? See, I, I'm asking, do you ever go to the mailbox? Because <laughs> most of us, we don't get anything but junk in the mail anyway, so why go to the mailbox? But if, if uh, perchance, you actually get a, a letter from somebody and it didn't show up on your computer, uh, and you look, uh, what's the first thing I look at? I look at the return address. I want to know who sent this. Who's thinking of me? Who's mad at me? Whatever. I, I want to know. See, it's a sign of ownership. The sealing is. And so each person would have a different seal. Important people would have these seals, and they would put the, their stamp on that, and it would say, I'm the one. I wrote this. I agree with this. This is my uh, seal here. It's a sign of ownership. I know it's also a sign of authenticity. This is real. Uh, Cindy's a notary public, and so is Pastor Wayne, but Cindy has this seal, and so she will watch somebody sign a document, she will push this down, and it will leave a stamp, she will sign it, she will date it, and what that says is, yes, this is the real deal. You don't have to be afraid that somebody has forged this document. So it's a sign of ownership. Is a sign of authenticity. Uh, it is a seal. Oh. Now uh, you grab a bottle of water and you you twist the lid, and if it's hard, you realize it's been sealed, right? Uh, if you grab a bottle of water and and you twist the lid, and it's there's no not hard at all. It opens right up. You see that it's down a little bit you know that it has been compromised, right? Uh, You drink it anyway because you're thirsty. But uh, uh, you know, it, it could have been compromised. So it's a sign of authenticity. It hasn't been compromised. We have, as believers, have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. God has placed his mark of ownership upon us and to say, this is authentic, you are a believer, and I pray that, that you sense the Holy Spirit in your life because that, that says, um, that's a picture of God's faithfulness to you. Now, if, if you don't, then I, maybe because you're not spending enough time in God's Word or enough time in prayer, you not talking to him, or maybe because the Holy Spirit does not reside in you maybe you prayed a little prayer because somebody said hey pray this and you get to heaven and so uh, everybody wants to go to heaven so i'll say these words uh, you need to be sealed with the holy spirit it says he owns you it's a mark of ownership the the holy spirit needs to be controlling us um, He's placed that mark of ownership upon us. The return address. We're God's property. People ought to be able to see some way. People ought to notice that we're different. You know, uh, I think I might have mentioned a guy that runs with us came and said, uh, Hey, can I run with you guys in the middle of the week? I said, yeah, it was on Saturday. Yeah, and I said, but... But you realize we're a little different. Yeah, I know that. Because I hear you praying, and he runs with us. And, and I, I hear you asking prayer requests. And, uh, and, and so I, I know you're different. I, I hope people know that you are different. Uh, we've been sealed so people can tell we're different. should be. Um, this, uh, this is a personalized license plate. So what does that mean? If you saw this on the back of a car, what would you guess? You would guess, rightly, that car belongs to Bob and Zoe. Now, Bob and Zoe were my dad, my dad and my mom. They're both in heaven now. But uh, that car, mom and dad traveled from Sheridan, Montana, which is over by Idaho. And traveled, they were in Ekalaka, which is over by North Dakota, 400 miles away. They pulled in at a little place to eat in Ekalaka. I love that name, Ekalaka. <laughs> uh, and they pulled in there, and they were eating. And a man came in and said, Pastor Bob. And they looked at him, and he was, uh, years ago, he had been a Sunday school a kid in their Sunday school class there in Sheridan, Montana. Now, how did he know they were there? He saw a mark of ownership on that vehicle. Bob and Zoe. How many Bob and Zos do you know? Well, I only knew two. And this kid came in uh, 400 miles away, and he knew that person. That person has been sealed And this is a sign of the sealing, a picture of what God does for all of our believers. We can count on Him. We have been sealed. We have been given His stamp of authority and His stamp of authenticity. This is real. He has placed the Holy Spirit within us. That is important. That's much like the wedding bands, that uh, wedding ring and wedding band that they were given out yesterday. That's the seal. Saying, hey, you belong to somebody. Uh, don't forget it. Uh, that I, I look at this and, and I twist it sometimes. And it's been smashed down so much that I couldn't get it off. Uh, what does that mean to me? It means that I belong to somebody. I belong to Cindy. I'm hers. And Cindy wears a ring saying, I belong to somebody. I belong to Dave. And we wear the sealing of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, I belong to somebody. Don't mess with me. I belong with the, to the Holy Spirit. I belong to God, and he sealed me with the Holy Spirit. So uh, we see security. We see we're given a responsibility. We see that we're taking on the identity of God. And there's, lastly, the promise of longevity. That's the last one. We can lean on him because he promises longevity. Listen to what he says, the last part. Uh, And given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. An earnest. I thought, well, where in the world did they get that earnest? But I I think I figured it out. An earnest is a deposit. It's a part payment. It is a pledge. Uh, It shows that you are earnest or, or sincere. Are you really sincere about this relationship? Okay, then invest in it, if you're sincere. That's what the Scripture is saying. The Holy Spirit is an investment in us, a deposit. Uh, It's assurance that God is earnest about having us as his children. Christ died on the cross. Now he's given us the Holy Spirit. What does this guarantee? This guarantees longevity in our relationship. In fact, it, it guarantees eternity. In our relationship. Uh, oh, what if I get COVID-19 and I die? <laughs> that doesn't cut off this relationship. It just helps the relationship. I mean, you just, you get to experience the real relationship uh, if, when we die. And so, uh, it's the assurance or the earnest of God's love and his provision for us. Well, that's longevity. It'll never end. Now, if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you don't have that to look forward to. And I would fear for you. And I would beg you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that the work that Christ did on the cross when he gave his blood for us, that it was sufficient to satisfy a holy God. So even sinful men, and all men are sinful, even sinful men can come boldly into the throne of God. Why? Because we're good? Never. But because Jesus Christ gave us his righteousness. We swapped. We gave him our sin, and he gave us his righteousness. And now we walk in before a holy God, and we can come boldly because he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the longevity, then, of this relationship is eternal. Four pictures, results of the work of Christ on the cross. He says, lean on me. I'm your security. Lean on me. I give you a responsibility. Lean on me because you're taking on my identity. Lean on me, and I promise a longevity in our relationship. You can lean on me. Now, I didn't facts check this story, but uh, a great, famous composer and pianist, Petruski, he was scheduled to perform in a great concert hall in, in America. And it was a black tie affair and evening gowns. Uh, just everybody made up a lot like our spring banquet here at the, at the church. Well, maybe a little fancier. Uh, but there was also a mother and a nine-year-old, her nine-year-old son, that came to it, and uh, she had hopes that he would fall in love with music and and that he would also practice more if he came to this concert. And he was fidgety, and she was distracted, and and when she turned around, her son was gone, and and wondered what happened. She began to panic, and and then in uh, the rest of the. The uh, auditorium filled, people were visiting, and and a lot of noise going on until in the background you could hear chopsticks being played. See, this little kid focused his attention on this huge, grand uh, Steinway piano and a bench, piano bench that had a leather padded seat. And he had made his way up there, and here he is playing chopsticks on this magnificent piano and right away, as soon as they began to hear that music, the crowd uh, became upset. Who is that kid? Get that kid off the stage. Who would bring a kid th- that young to something like this? And the uh, master, Petruski, behind the curtains, heard the commotion there as the, as the uproar began. And he looked out at the curtains. He saw what was going on. And he walked out onto that stage and uh, he walked up behind the boy and he put his arms around the boy as he was playing chopsticks and he began to play a counter harmony and the the volume just it felt completely silent in that room beautiful music as the two of them played now everybody was quiet except for the master He kept whispering into the ears of that little boy, don't stop. Don't quit. Keep playing. Keep playing. He could have whispered, you can count on me or you can lean on me. Four pictures that encourage me. I can lean on God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for pictures that assure me that you will never leave me nor forsake me, that you are faithful even when I cannot be or even choose not to be, that I am yours and you'll never let me down. That humbles me. My heart is filled with gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, if there's somebody here that's never placed their faith in you, oh, the terror that they're going to experience in a literal hell. Oh, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Lord, I, I pray for them might the Holy Spirit work and touch and poke and prod that person's heart so that they come to know you, so that they will cry out to you and say, Yes, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried and you rose again the third day. I believe that right now you're seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Save me. Save me. Please, might they do that this morning.